0: and from thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sin, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. John 6, 64 through 71. Yet there are some of you who do not believe for Jesus had known from the beginning which, one of, which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? As Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who, though one of the twelve, was to later betray him. Amen. Thank you, Leon.
1: And I invite you to keep your Bible open uh, to John chapter 6. And then uh, we're going to be working our way uh, around some other passages in John as well. As you remember, the last six or seven weeks we've been talking about the great I Am's uh, that Jesus declared in the Gospel of John. And last week... I talked about when Jesus said, I am the true vine, which means there was also a defective vine. <laughs> he was the true one. He was the genuine vine. And then we also talked about there were true disciples, but there were also, you know, phony disciples. And we talked about Judas. And so after that message, somebody came up to me and said, well, Dave, why in the world would somebody, you know, choose a devil? You know, why did Jesus choose Judas, because he said, have I not chosen 12 of you and one of you is a devil? And that's a good question. So we're going to talk about that today. And a lot of people have questions about God, and that's okay. You know, it's like uh, I got a little, little, couple little guys had some questions. One little guy said uh, to God, you know, what's a million dollars like to you? And God responded. He said, a penny. And the little boy said, well, what's a million years like to you? And God said, well, it's like a second. And the little boy kind of thought for a minute and smiled and said, God, give me a penny. And God said, in a second. <laughs> Another little boy story, sitting underneath a big oak tree in the middle of a watermelon patch. And the little boy couldn't figure out how God could be so stupid, you know, to, to have this big, huge, strong oak tree holding these little acorns in place. And then this watermelon vine, a skinny little watermelon vine, hold these huge watermelons. You know, he was sure that God just didn't know how to do things. And then an acorn fell on his head. And he said, man, I'm glad that wasn't a watermelon. (laughs) Sometimes we don't understand God's ways, do we? Sometimes Isaiah 55 is true. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And it's kind of like, why would Jesus choose Judas in our text? In John chapter 6, Jesus said, There are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. And Jesus said, Have I not chosen you, the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil? And so as Paul Harvey used to say, for some of you old-timers, now that's a strange, right? Why would Jesus choose a devil? Why would Jesus choose a snake? May I suggest six pretty good reasons. Pretty good reason number one, that prophecy might be fulfilled. You might add to some of these pretty good reasons, but this is one of them. That prophecy might be fulfilled. And I want you to look at John chapter 13. Just a few pages from John 6. John chapter 13 verse 18. And Jesus is speaking. John 13 verse 18. And he says, I am not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen. But this is to fulfill the scripture. He who shares my bread has lifted up his heel against me. And so... Jesus, after washing the disciples' feet, said, I know who I've chosen. Who was it that ate bread with Jesus? It was Judas with him at the table. And Jesus said, hey, nothing's gotten out of hand here. Nothing has taken me by surprise. I know exactly what I'm doing. And the scripture says that Jesus uh, is referring to another scripture in the Old Testament. The scripture that Jesus is referring to is Psalm 41, verse 9. And Judas sat at the table with Jesus and he walked with Jesus and he talked with Jesus and they were companions and they were friends and they had times of fellowship together, probably had many, many meals together and yet Judas lifted up his heel against Jesus. Only a friend can betray. Jesus said, I chose Judas that the scripture might be fulfilled. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 5, not one jot, not one tittle shall fail till all be fulfilled. And then in John chapter 10, Jesus said, Scripture cannot be broken. The second pretty good reason Jesus chose Judas was what we've been talking about for the last seven weeks, the deity of Christ, the I am statements The second reason is to demonstrate his deity, that he's claiming to be God, Jesus is. See, the fact that Jesus knew all things speaks to the fact that he was a son of God. You look at John 13, 19, just one more verse, John 13, verse 19, it's the next verse, and Jesus is still speaking, he says, I am telling you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am he. Now, who is the he referring to? The Messiah that was prophesied in this psalm. This is a messianic psalm. Psalm 41, and Jesus is saying, I'm telling you before it happens, so when it does happen, you will know that I am the one of whom the prophecy speaks. Jesus said, I tell you before it even comes to pass that you might believe that I am he. Did you know there are more than 333 precise prophecies in the Old Testament dealing with the person of Christ? It is absolutely impossible that these scriptures could have been fulfilled by chance or in any other person. There are more than 30 exact descriptions of crucifixion in Psalm 22 alone, which was written hundreds of years before crucifixion was even a known form of execution. I mean, the ancient Jews used to execute by stoning, did they not? And yet we read in Psalm 22, they pierced my hands and my feet. We read the very words that Jesus would say from the cross. We read the words of his enemies as they taunted him. We read in Psalm 22 how they cast lots for his vesture, for his garments. What I'm trying to say is this, that all of these scriptures piled one on top of another prove beyond a shadow of a doubt the deity of Christ, that he is God. Let me... Read Psalm 13, 19 again. I tell you before it even comes to pass that you might believe that I am he. So why did Jesus choose Judas? That prophecy might be fulfilled. To demonstrate his deity. And thirdly, Jesus chose Judas so that he would be an encouragement to us. That's the third pretty good reason. Think, well, how could Judas ever encourage me? Jesus knew that down through the corridors of time, through the centuries of Christendom, that there would be others just like Judas. Judas was a first class, a number one hypocrite, right? A play actor, a great pretender. And Jesus knew through the centuries there would be many hypocrites, But you see, Jesus allowed a hypocrite to be in the inner 12, that he might show to us that in spite of all that a hypocrite can do, that his church cannot and it will not fail. Jesus said in Matthew 16, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. So a Jimmy Baker, a Jimmy Swaggart, an Elmer Gantry, or Jim Jones will not and cannot destroy the church of Jesus Christ. The double life of a Ravi Zacharias, cannot destroy the church of Jesus Christ or the truth of the gospel that Ravi often proclaimed. Aren't you glad the other 11 didn't quit? Aren't you glad that Simon Peter didn't say, well, if that's that's the way a Christian's going to act, I'm never going to go back to that church again. No, he didn't say that. He was the mighty, flaming apostle of Pentecost. What I want to say to you is this. Don't you let the nail of betrayal, don't you let a Judas, don't you let a hypocrite keep you from getting the best out of life. Because there are many phony, baloney Christians running around. But don't you know that every counterfeit Christian only... Proves really the validity and the worthwhileness of a real Christian. People don't counterfeit gum wrappers. They counterfeit $20 bills. Every counterfeit Christian only proves the validity and the worthwhileness of a real Christian. Christian And Jesus allowed Judas to be a hypocrite in the ministry So that it could be actually an encouragement to us And there were 11 more disciples who went on and who served the Lord And because of them you and I are enjoying the faith that we have today Hypocrites cannot and will not stop the work of God Jesus said I'm going to build my church And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it The fourth, uh, pretty good reason that Jesus chose Judas was to show the inadequacy of the social gospel. The inadequacy of the social gospel. When was it that Jesus said, Have I not chosen you 12 and one of you is a devil? John chapter 6. What's the context of John chapter 6? It was right after Jesus had fed the 5,000. He had performed one of the most notable of his miracles. Now, you would think that after Jesus fed all those people, they would have been following, you know, in the right way. I mean, let's look at John 6 and go back to a little before the passage that Leon read. John 6, 47 to 51, and also verse 53. John 6, 47 to 51, and then also verse 53. And it says, I tell you the truth. He who believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet They died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And then verse 53, Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat my flesh, the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, you have no life In you. Remember, Jesus had just fed the 5,000. Now, what was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying that physical bread was not enough. It's not enough to feed a person's body. A person needs to feed on Jesus. You know, we need the bread of life. Folks need more than soup, and they need more than soap. They need salvation. We need the Lord Jesus Christ. Many folks say, "Wow, well, with all the hunger and poverty in the world, can't you do something more practical for the world than preach this resurrected Christ? There are fo- some folks that say today it's the church's job to house those who are not housed and to uh, educate those who are not educated and to feed the hungry and to train people for jobs and all these things. And if that's all that we do, then we have failed, and we failed terribly. Jesus had just fed the 5,000. But they went away. They left him like rats leaving a sinking ship. Jesus had to turn to his disciples and say, will you also go away? Everybody says, you know, change the environment, and you'll change the person. Give people a better chance, a better environment. That's what people need. A person doesn't need primarily a better environment. We need Jesus. We don't just need bread. We need Christ. Judas and many others were there at the feeding of the 5,000. And it was there that Jesus said, what you need is spirit. What you need is life. It was then that Jesus gave the warning about Judas. I mean, there have been few men that have had a better environment, really, than Judas. Think about it. Judas lived three years in the personal company of Jesus Christ. And yet Judas died and went to hell. If environment is the answer, what happened to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden? I mean, you won't find a better environment than the Garden of Eden. It was not in the slums of Chicago that Adam and Eve fell. It was in the Garden of Eden. And Now, I'm not saying, listen, don't take me wrong here. I am not saying that we shouldn't be interested in feeding the hungry because we should. And if we're Christians, we will. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be interested in housing the home, uh, homeless because we should, and if we're Christians, we will. What I'm saying is this there is no substitute for the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think Franklin Graham's organization is a perfect balance, taking care of so many social needs and yet preaching the gospel and leading people to Christ. Beautiful balance. Why did Jesus choose Judas? I'm sure to show the inadequacy of the social gospel. He fed 5,000 people. Judas was there. Then Judas turned around and betrayed him. He died and he went to hell. What difference does it make if folks live in nice homes, eat vitamin-enriched food, and they die and go to hell? What a terrible thing to die without Christ. What a terrible thing to live without Christ. A fifth and... Pretty good reason Jesus chose Judas was, I believe, to give a solemn warning to people like you and me, church members. Judas was one of the trusted 12. We've talked about this, remember? He held the purse. We could say he was a church member, he was the treasurer. You see, Judas was there in the flesh with Jesus. You know, outwardly he was a very good man. I mean, he ran around with the right crowd. He spent three years with the 12 under the ministry of the Son of God. Judas had a good reputation. He was chosen to take care of the money. When Jesus said, one of you shall betray me, nobody said, hey, I bet it's Judas. Not a one of them. They said, I wonder if it's me. I mean, who is it? Lord, is it me? Who's going to betray you, Lord? Not one of them pointed a finger at Judas. He was the last person that they thought would betray the Savior. Judas was a religious worker. I mean, he went out, you know, to preach the gospel with the 70. He was with them when all of the miracles took place. He had the outward appearance of a saint, and he had the heart and soul of a devil. Judas was a church member. But Judas was lost. He was whitewashed rather than washed white. And when Judas walked out into the night, not even the disciples, even the disciples didn't put it all together. They they thought he might be going out to give something to the poor. Could there be people in our churches like Judas You know, headed for hell, surrounded by baptismal certificates, Sunday school pins, names on membership rolls. Suppose we were to ask Judas a question. Judas, are you saved? Well, I'm a church member. No, I didn't ask that, Judas. I know it's an archaic term, but are you saved? "I'm I'm a charter member. I didn't ask you that, Judas. Are you saved? I'm a preacher. I didn't ask you that, Judas. Are you saved? Have you been born again? Well, I go to this church every Sunday. I'm a Sunday school teacher. I've worked in the church. I've been baptized. I know the plan of salvation. Well, you're not saved by the plan of salvation. You're saved by the man of salvation, and his name is Jesus. And Judas knew the plan of salvation, but he never really trusted in the man of salvation. 1 Corinthians 13, 5, a great verse as we think about preparing our hearts for communion in just a minute. 1 Corinthians 13.5 says, examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith. So are you born again? Are you saved? I mean, how do you know? Because somebody told you? Because you walked forward and shook some preacher's hand or you repeated a prayer after somebody? Is that the way you know you're saved? I mean, if that's all, I really feel sorry for you. Friends, when you trust Christ, you have the word of God. And you have the witness of the Holy Spirit. Jesus allowed Judas in the ministry to give us church members a solemn warning. I mean, here was a man up to his ears in religiosity who worked for Christ. And yet he was lost. Examine yourselves and see if you're in the faith. Jesus was the door to heaven. And Judas, like I said last week, he kissed the door to heaven and he went to hell. Have you come that close? Like almost a Christian? Or almost persuaded? Kind of like King Agrippa in Acts 26. You should read that this afternoon. About the Apostle Paul testifying before King Agrippa. And King Agrippa said, oh, almost, Paul. You almost got me. You almost persuaded me to become a Christian. Is that where you're at? Almost? Well, the last pretty good reason that Jesus chose Judas, I think, was to show us the damning power of sin. You know, I don't believe that when Judas began to follow Jesus... That he had it in his mind to betray Jesus. Now, some of you might argue with me about that, but that's okay. I believe Jesus knew that he would betray him, but Judas didn't know that he would. Judas was, I think, very sincere to begin with, but he never really repented of his sin, and that seed of sin just grew and it blossomed. And I think even he was amazed at what he did. The Bible says that he was filled with remorse. Judas had a heart of a devil. And it came out. Now our culture, our environment, and our training kind of holds us in. But you will never know the sin that lurks within your heart. I mean, the Bible says of you and me that your heart, that my heart is deceitful above all things. It's desperately wicked. In other words, there is no sin that you are not capable of committing unless you have Jesus Christ to keep you from it. Oh, I'd never never betray, you know, I'd never do that. No. You be careful. I don't care how good or how proper you think you are. Look at what sin did to Judas. First of all, it deceived him. It didn't work out like he thought it would. I mean, he had that itch for silver, didn't he? He betrayed and sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. It didn't work out like he he thought. So sin deceived him. And then sin actually destroyed him. I mean, listen to how Matthew describes it. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. And then he went away and he hanged himself. Luke is even more graphic in Acts chapter 1. When Luke writes, With the reward he got for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong his body burst open and all of his intestines spilled out. Ooh, sin is not a pretty sight. Sin deceived him, sin destroyed him, and then finally sin damned him. Matthew 26:24, the son of man will go just as it is written about him, but woe to the man who betrays the son of man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Some say Again, we talked about this last week. Some say Judas lost his salvation. He had salvation and then lost it. Well, he never had it. He never believed. Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not. Others would have us believe that Judas, he just made a mistake and then he went to heaven. He did not. He departed and he went to his own place. And Acts 1.25, better had he never been born, Matthew twenty six twenty four, Judas never lost his salvation. He never had it. Sin deceived him. Sin destroyed him. And then sin damned him. And God allowed the record to be written here in the word of God that it might be a warning for us. The nail of betrayal is very, very sharp. But oh, what a price to pay. So why did Jesus choose Judas? Certainly that prophecy might be fulfilled. Clearly to demonstrate his deity and possibly to encourage us and also to show the inadequacy of the social gospel and also to give us a solemn, uh, a solemn warning to church members and last but not least to show us the deceiving, destroying and damning power of sin. And those are just a, a few You know, pretty good reasons why Jesus chose Judas. But have you ever thought, why did he choose me? Why did he choose me? I mean, wasn't it my sin, too, that nailed Jesus to the cross? I mean, the Bible says all we like sheep go astray. Not just Judas. I mean, don't we all drive this nail of betrayal into the quivering flesh of the Son of God? I mean, didn't everybody leave Jesus? I mean, look at the people around the cross. The crowd did. They suffered from mob blindness, right? They blocked each other's vision of Jesus. The disciples did. The Bible says all Jesus' followers left him and ran away. Their so-called courage was as fleeting as their feet. And when they saw Jesus going down, they got out of there. The religious leaders did. Not surprising, disappointing though. They tried to find something false against Jesus so that they could kill him. Peter did. I mean, remember he had promised so fervently only hours before everybody else will stumble. Everybody else will deny you. Everybody's going to stumble in their faith because of you, but I will not. Well, I hope Peter was hungry because he had to eat those words, didn't he? Everyone turned against Jesus. Though the kiss was planted by Judas, the betrayal was committed by all. The world had turned against him. He was betrayed. Just like the prophet spoke in Isaiah fifty three, he was smitten. He was afflicted, he was pierced for our iniquities. The only difference between Judas and the other eleven was this that eleven the eleven came back. Does anyone need a fresh start today? Oh, we, we like to sing about the grace and the wonderful love of God and I'm so grateful for that because if it wasn't for that, I know I wouldn't be here. Maybe you need to come back today. Maybe that's why you're here today. To just come back to Jesus. Nobody really knows what's going inside your life or your heart right now, but you do. Maybe you need to come back to Jesus and just pledge your allegiance to Him today. In just a minute uh, before we partake of communion, we're going to sing about three verses of "I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene, and wonder how he could love me, a sinner, condemned, unclean." I mean why did he choose me? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you that even while we were powerless, while we were your enemies, you sent Jesus for us to pursue us because you love us, God. You love the whole world. All of us betrayers, all of us deniers. And you call us to come back home. Father, how many of us betray you with a kiss? You know, claiming to love you one minute, the next minute our actions reveal who we are. Help us to love you more than this world. Help us to believe what you tell us in your word, that friendship with the world is hatred toward God. Help us to be like the 11, when the smoke is cleared and the dust settled. They came back to you, Jesus. Their eyes were opened. They repented. They received forgiveness that you so freely give and then you use them to turn this world upside down. Make us like them. Jesus, we do stand amazed today in your presence that you would love us, sinners, condemned, unclean. How wonderful is your love How amazing is your grace. And even as we partake of communion today, we celebrate that. That your body was broken for us and your blood was shed for us. What a wonderful gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. And let's stand. I want to tell you what we did at the first service. Uh, Doug Oz was here with his family. And Doug has been deployed, he's in the National Guard, and he's been deployed for a year, and he's got four kids, little kids, and so we had Doug and Emily, his wife, come up, and his four kids, and I asked all the veterans to come, and there were some ladies and some guys up here standing in solidarity with Doug, and we prayed for him. We prayed that God would bless him and protect him and provide for his family while he's away, and We just count it a privilege to be part of the family of God, where we can be brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers to other people's kids. That's what the church is all about. So I invite you to to pray with me uh, as we conclude the service. And if you uh, need prayer in your life, uh, somebody be here to pray for you in the name of the Lord. And God, we just thank you that none of us really measure up. We always kind of condemn Judas. And yeah, he did a bad thing. So did Peter, and so did all the other ones. And so do we. And that's why we need you, Lord. And I pray, even right now, if there's somebody here that just has never said yes, like they're almost persuaded, but even now, before they leave, just in their heart of hearts, they would say, yes, Jesus. I believe that you are the Son of God and I put my trust in what you have done for me on the cross and not anything that I can do for you, I just trust you and I believe. God, I pray that somebody would be able to say that in their heart before they leave and that you would seal them with your Holy Spirit. we pray for Doug? Oz, what a wonderful man of God and Emily, his sweet wife and Lord... uh, Boaz and Ezekiel and Uriah and Evelyn, those kids, Lord, we love them. And we pray that you would make it seem like it's just a blink of the eye this year would go by and just keep him safe. And we know that he's, more, he's on more than a military mission, God. We believe that you're sending him there for a reason, it perhaps to be a witness. He's a believer in you, so he's a, a carrier of your presence. And I pray that he would make a difference In his squad, he'd make a difference with the people that he meets and that you would use him, Lord, to further your kingdom. And again, bless his family as, uh, yeah, they, they mourn, they grieve. But Lord, I pray that they would have confidence in you and your sovereignty that you've got everything under control and that you are a father to the fatherless. You help them out, Lord. Help this family out and help us to help them out. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you. Have a great day. Amen.